good morning, everybody. We got a full room. If there is, if there's any open seats, if you can raise your hand so someone can grab. Uh, well, lights are off, so that's gonna be trickier now. <laughs> Oh yeah. Do we not have any lights up front? <laughs> the slides are going to be really good. You don't have to look at us. It's going to be great. So we're going to get started here. I know more people are still coming in. Um, if there's some service now, people in the room, um, and don't mind stepping out to let uh, customers have a spot, that would be great. Uh, but hey, you know, we're going to get started. Thank you for coming. My name is Chris Gear. I run our solution consulting team for Creator Workflows. And so we talk to customers about building stuff on the platform. That's what we like to do. We like to help people, you know, build stuff. You heard about in the keynote this morning, both buying and building. Uh, you know, we focus a lot on the building aspect. And so today we get to hear from three customers uh, that did exactly that. They found use cases in their organization that could use an application to be built against it. And they're going to be talking about that today as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and get through a few basics and then hand it over to them. The lights are really weird. I, 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 you know. um, Safe Harbor, as you guys know, hey, we have this slide at the beginning. You know, if we do talk about a future capability, please don't make a buying decision based off of uh, anything we talk about a future capability. Roadmaps can change. So if you've been with ServiceNow for more than six minutes, you've seen this slide 15 times, right? This is our platform, a platform slide. And when we look at this, right, it's important though. It really is an important slide because we talk about it from the perspective of ServiceNow is a platform. Fundamentally, from the beginning, it is a platform. And we have a bunch of really great out-of-the-box stuff built on top of it with our IT workflows, employee workflows, and customer workflows. But we also have creator workflows. Creator workflows is us exposing all of our tooling to you so that you can use the same tooling and the same capabilities we have access to to build your own applications which are unique to your organization as we all know in the federal government or you know any agency for that matter uh, there are lots of bespoke applications that are needed to keep your operation and your mission running from day to day and so that's what we're here to talk about today and so this is something I always like to look at you know the definition of hyper automation hyper automation is a word you'll hear us use a lot um, hyper automation is a business driven disciplined approach that organizations use to rapidly identify vet and automate as many business and IT processes as possible. This is what we're going after. So far, I have not met a customer yet that has raised their hand and said, nah, I don't really want that, right? We all want this. We all want to be able to optimize and organize and automate as much as we possibly can so that we can have our, you know, have our employees doing the most productive work possible. Get rid of the mundane, get rid of the repetitive and let them focus on the productive work. And so that's really our goal from the ServiceNow perspective and creator workflows is how do we allow organizations to achieve a hyper-automation vision? We're not gonna be able to spend a whole lot of time talking about all the specifics on that today, but come talk to us offline, happy to talk about that more. Um, and so when we look at building, right, we're going to be talking about building applications. What does that look like on the platform? Fundamentally, you have the whole platform. You have all of the same tools, whether that be the different user experiences, virtual agent, web interface, mobile interface, um, and all of the business capabilities as well. But on top of that, we've given you two important things to extend the platform. One is tooling. You saw it in the keynote this morning. Um, you know, Nick brought up App Engine Studio and talked about, hey, how you can easily build applications with App Engine Studio. 
on some of our other tooling. But on top of that is actually something that, you know, is new with San Diego and has been involved in Tokyo and now Utah, which is coming out, which is App Engine Management Center. It allows us to provide governance on top of all the applications that you're building. So your CIO and your CISO feel comfortable with low code and doing low code at scale because they have insight into everything that's going on into the platform and no one is surprised by applications making it onto the platform. It's all there. You can see it through your dev test and production environments. And so you've got, you've got the governance. And with that, I want to hand it over to our speakers here, who you won't be able to see uh, you know, on the stage. Uh, first up, we have from FEMA, we have Mr. Given and Mr. Labas. I said that wrong. I was close. I promised myself I was going to get that right. Um, you know, we're going to talk about their CAT, their uh, concurrence and action tracker. Uh, we have Captain Wood from the Navy Chaplains talking about the Religious Ministries Analytics tool. And then we have uh, Mr. Law Campbell from the USDA talking about their Electronic Warehouse and Commodity Management Data Application. He got the prize for the longest title of, a, of an application. But with that, I want to hand it over to FEMA. Cool. Sir? Big green button. Big green button. All right. All right. So we're here to talk about the concurrence and action tracker we pulled together. My name is Brian Given. Um, I'm the uh, Business Support Division Director within FEMA's Mission Support Executive Office. Um, so Mission Support at FEMA is is the umbrella organization for the majority of our support functions. Um, things like human capital, IT, security, administration, and something else, uh, safety. Um, uh, so it, one, of the, one of the jobs my team is responsible for is uh, we run the action office for mission support. So the action office is we're getting congressional correspondence from the department, we're getting uh, data calls from across the organization, we're getting, you know, policy review requests. Um, they all come through our action office at the mission support executive office level, and then funnel down to our different components. Um, each of those components, each of those five components also has an action office. And then they're working with SMEs to meet the mail, they get bubbled back up to them, up to us, we review, add some value and shoot them back out to the requester, right? About two years ago, the way that we did this was every office had a different tool, right? People were using Excel, SharePoint, uh, Word documents, leaving things in Outlook, smoke signals, everything to keep these things organized or try to keep them organized. Um, what we didn't have is an ability for uh, a senior advisor or uh, one of the bosses to come in and ask, hey, where's, where's this congressional? Where, what stage of the process is it in? You, you either had to find the right person who was working it or, you know, guess. Um, also, every action office ran a different set of processes. There was no service level agreements. So you're basically negotiating with every email saying, hey, this is due Tuesday, but uh, can I get an extension? That sort of thing. Um, and a lot of the stuff that our, uh, some of these services that we're providing are annual or they're quarterly or they're monthly. And instead of having to recreate the wheel, we wanted a way that we can use similar templates and use things that we've done in the past, especially with the amount of turnover that we're seeing in recent years. Um, so what do we do? Um, oh, this is nice. I didn't know it did that. Uh, so we, we, how, do we, how do we get to a solution? So we worked with all of our action officers. Um, oh, Voice, voice for radio, I apologize. Um, uh, so we worked with all of our action officers across the, uh, our mission support offices and our components. And we said, what do you guys want? What do we need? Um, so we 
came up with some business requirements. We worked with uh, uh, ServiceNow folks and uh, Steve over here, which we're happy to see in the audience, um, to come up with some technical requirements using ServiceNow to develop an application that um, allows all of our action officers, all of our division directors and SES and SMEs to be in the same tool. Uh, we'll collect the information from you know, the office of the administrator or different parts of FEMA uh, via email. It automatically creates a, a case in our tool and then we work it using similar processes, but standardized processes, um, and then bubble it back up. Um, it took us about a year to develop, maybe a little bit less. We went live with it back in uh, March of last year, um, and we've been using it ever since, using an agile approach to you know, implement, uh, improve, roll out, implement, improve, roll out. Um, so yeah, so uh, there's, there's still a lot more that we're trying to work on to improve it. Uh, there are still some challenges that we're working through, but I'm going to hand it over to Mike here to talk a little bit more. Thanks, Brian. I am Mike Lovis. I am the Action Administrative Support Branch Chief. Um, one of the things that we knew we were going to have to deal with was how do we engage our external partners who don't currently use ServiceNow? Uh, unfortunately, Mission Support is the only entity within FEMA that utilizes ServiceNow. So we had to come up with a way that we could engage with our partners in a way uh, that couldn't allow everyone to collaborate at the same time. So uh, we create a new process that allows incoming RFIs that we get um, that automatically create a new task for us to do. It auto-populates the uh, pertinent information and then allows us to shoot that out to our components and get working on that right away. We can also allow uh, core engagement at the same time from internal and external partners as we work to get those adjudications done and, and hit our deadlines uh, that we Brian talked about with the service level agreements. It really helps us there. Um, we can also send our final responses out uh, via ServiceNow, whether they be internal or external. And then each of our um, tasks that we have has its own separate uh, page that collects any and, or, any and all email correspondence, documents we shared, allowing that, you know, that full activity log. So at any time you can see who was responsible for what, who touched it when, and basically really helps leadership have an idea of who's involved from the get-go and how we got to that final product. Um, so I'll slide over to the next one about where we're trying to go. So as Brian mentioned, we've come a long way um, from where we wanted, from where we began. Um, but the first thing we're really trying to get uh, figure out and finalize now is that stakeholder and senior level engagement. And as everyone knows, if we don't have senior level engagement, it's really tough to, to push out a new process. So we've been working with um, getting their feedback, trying to understand what their needs are, showing them the great capability that ServiceNow has and how it fits into what their job requirements are. Uh, and finally, really trying to get them to take ownership of what they're doing and showing them what we have and how it can help them better their processes. Um, also, we do currently utilize a couple workflows um, now that are kind of generalized, uh, but the goal is to make um, a bunch of brand new um, customized workflows for each component and for each action type that might exist, whether it be a data call or a congressional requirement, or we're just trying to get feedback from a bunch of lawyers. Um, and really just excited to have them have a tailored workflow uh, that has different approvals, whether it be internal or external, the different timelines of how long they get to review something, and then also working on a better closure process that allows all parties to see the finalized document, see when it was closed out and who it went to uh, for that full visibility. 
Um, the other thing we're pushing for is dashboards. As I know, everyone loves dashboards. They want a dashboard, had a dashboard, know someone who had a dashboard once. Um, and so we're really trying to harness that and be able to have um, specific dashboards to what you need within your component, whether that be at the action office level, whether that be at a senior advisor level, or even up to the senior leadership level. We're trying to get those tailored, we're meeting with components to understand their needs and help really identify how we can best support them. And the last thing we want to do is really determine met, use our metrics to determine what success looks like. Anyone can say, oh, I got 85% of my stuff done on time. But what does that actually mean? And trying to use our service level agreements to maximize what we have and really try to quantify what success looks like and how and you know, take that successes and then pass those along, hopefully, to other parts of the agency as we try to grow this capability. Um, so if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, we're happy to talk about it. And a big shout out to Mr. Steve Slocum, who helped build us, build out our system. Very good. Next, next. Backup slides. You can just... All right, we'll flip through these. Some pretty pictures. Everyone likes dashboards. All right, next we have uh, Captain Wood down here talking from the Navy chaplains. Yes, sir. Good morning, still. It's good to see you all here. Um, so Navy chaplains and data. How many of you been to church and the, the minister said, I'm closing with this, and 20 minutes later, they're still talking? <laughs> Chaplains are notoriously for talking, but we're really bad at data. And so when we started looking at our solutions, we started figuring out, you know, our first problem was we had to learn a new language. I studied Greek, I studied Hebrew in, in seminary, but um, I had to learn to speak in data so that people would understand us in today's terms. I mean, it's just a, it's a different world. And we kept trying to tell a cool story about how important we were, but nobody understood that. It was when we started using data and saying, this is our impact, that they started paying attention to us. And then, of course, you know, the CNO starts talking about data-driven decisions, and, and we're just trying to catch up. So that was our problem, first problem. The second problem is... <sighs> We got the Navy, we got the Marine Corps, we got the Coast Guard. The Navy Chaplain Corps supplies chaplains for all three services. They have different missions. They have different capabilities. They have different places they go and, and do different things. And so we had to, we had to really find a, a, an ability to collect data. I mean, how do you get what a chaplain and an RP is doing, a religious program support specialist is doing, you know, halfway around the world out in the middle of the ocean all by themselves? How do you get what's, what a chaplain serving with the Marines out in the middle of a, a forward operating base with just a handful of people? How do, you, how do you capture what they're bringing to the team and what they're bringing to the, to, to the Department of Defense, Department of Navy, when they're out in the middle of nowhere? So we had to, we had to have an agile op, option to collect data. And I mean, that was our, our first biggest hurdle was it, it had to be where I can get it anywhere at any time, and which was good. And so, you know, uh, General Berger said we, the Marines would fight and win in any climb in any place. We had to have an opportunity to gather data at any climb in any place. It was pretty good. The third option or the third problem that we had was we got a bunch of people supporting us. We got active duty, which is great. And officer enlisted, we're working hard at trying to provide for the, the sailors and, and the Marines and the Coast Guardmen. But then we also have reservists that show up 
a couple of weeks a year, show up on weekends, sometimes they're activated. How do we bring that into the team and say, this is an important part of what we bring to the Department of Defense or Department of Navy? So we, we had to work with them. We have contractors that help provide some of our services. The Coast Guard has auxiliary chaplains that they, they use uh, abundantly. How do I capture what they bring when they're not really in the system? They don't even have a CAT card. I mean, I, there's, this is the stuff that we had to deal with. And then, of course, we have volunteers. So when it came to how we're going to wrap all this together, we, uh, we got introduced to ServiceNow, and they literally brought 20 chaplains and RPs, non-tech guys. I mean, you can't get as non-tech as we are. I mean, we, we sat around wanting to tell stories, and, and they brought us into a room here in D.C., and they, they put us in there the first day, and they said, hey, let us show you what we can do. And they did some of that stuff that Chris was talking about, showing the, the tools and showing the art of the possible. And, and, and to be fair, they probably had us all drooling on ourselves. And this is cool. Because we've, we've never, I mean, we just didn't know what we were getting into. And then the, the next two days, they, they said, let's just do some practice problem solving, teach you how to use the tools. So they, they got us in there and had us building some tables and had us doing some problem solving. And then on the, the third day, they said, let's build a program. And 20 chaplains and RPs, enlisted officers, we sat there and we started, started grunting away at it. And by four o'clock that day, I was getting a little nervous because I had to brief this the next day to the, to the leadership. And I, was, I hadn't seen it work yet. I'm like, guys, I need to see something. You know, you got to help me out. And um, they said, okay. They did something. And on my cell phone, I had the app. And it was working and we were putting data in and we were watching it hit the screen. And I was able to brief the leadership the next morning at 10 o'clock said, this is awesome. We're working this problem. Now, we, we've done some things in the back. We've added a whole lot of other stuff, some validation stuff, make sure the data is quality and clean. But we were able to, in just a, a week, build a program that, that we're rolled out. Now, the cool part is we just, uh, we just passed the getting it on the ship's test. So now we can put it on the ship which is amazing. Uh, we, I think we're days away from our, our authorization to use the app on the government system. Uh, I mean, we're, we got the fix, we got the process. And so we are, are days away from having it on a government funded devices, which is when we hit fully operational and, and we're ready to, to, to roll this out. I've got people using it around the world right now. We're collecting data from all kinds of climbs and places. It's pretty awesome. So I'll be around for questions. I think my next slide is questions, but we'll just we'll just pass it on because uh, they only gave us thirty minutes between all of us. So. <laughs> I mean, we could talk forever. Thank you, sir. Yeah, and I'm going to need all 45 of those 30 minutes. Um, so my name is Stephen Locke Campbell. I am a prog uh, program project manager at USDA, uh, primarily supporting the Electronic Warehouse and Commodity Management Data application. I didn't come up with the acronym. Somebody in this room did. I won't point her out. She's over there. Um, <clears throat> so, so what we do is... Uh, uh, let's see, we'll skip this. So who we are a little bit, this is kind of our organization. We've got three different groups, uh, licensing, uh, examination, commodity management, different groups, different missions. A little bit about our portfolio. Number one, I like to normally say that we're the FDIC of corn. Anybody that's had access to the internet in the last three days, I'm going to modify that to say we're the NCUA of corn, right? They're having a better week. Um, we also do uh, commodity credit corporation storage agreements. So in the event the government would get back into the grain market, uh, we, we manage those. We also provide economic adjustment assistance for textile mills as well as special competitive prefer 
special competitive provisions for extra long staple cotton. We also do uh, uh, audits, examinations of these kind of facilities. So we, we have the, uh, the audit and examination itself. We also have a compliance module that we uh, stood up uh, uh, to build off of that. And then we also have inventory acquisition, management, and disposal. So um, again, should uh, the government become an owner of a of a uh, bulk agricultural commodity, we would be in the in the business of getting rid of that. Um, so, a little bit about our project. Um, one of the things I'll recommend is find a partner, get someone to help you, challenge them to um, to ask why, uh, encourage them to poke holes in the way we've always done it. Um, uh, one of my favorite stories is. Uh, on the next slide. Uh, so left side, mainframe. Um, how many people know what a mainframe looks like? How many people have used a mainframe too recently? Yeah, yeah, us too. Um, so hopped into production in 1984, received basically no love since then. Uh, the estimate was $130 million about six years ago to replace it. We did it for quite a bit less. Um, we also had Microsoft Access databases and anybody who works in a CIO shop will tell you Access is not a system, Excel is not a database, nodding, yes, we've heard these things. Um, so, so you guys are kind of kind of, kind of uh, understanding where I'm coming from. So we had limited availability and accessibility. Uh, that mainframe works really great when you are in the fifth floor of our office in Kansas City. Unfortunately, uh, what was it, three years ago, we went home for two weeks. The mainframe doesn't work good at home. Um, so we found that out pretty quickly. Uh, on, the, on the audit side, on the field side, uh, so we had a, the headquarters component was, a, a, again, kind of a homegrown database on a shared network drive and a server and a basement. We don't really talk about it. Um, the field, we had distributed databases. Worked great. Worked great for a long time, right? And then we had staff that were emailing files back and forth. Um, we were extracting and appending, and it was all very exciting except when it broke, right? So uh, we also had a heavy reliance on mail. Uh, shout out to our friends at the USPS. Unfortunately, we unsubscribed from y'all. Um, and this is why. This is why we used the mail. And I know Chris loves the slide. I know, I know Greg loves the slide. Um, so this is a set of our files, right, for one medium-sized company in the Midwest that we deal with. Whenever I talked about our portfolio, we had that same piece of paper in each of those files for that same portfolio, right? I know that nowhere else has that, right? I'm sure that's a unique lived experience for me. Um, so in the old days, again, not that long ago, uh, so we would have a mainframe component, an access component, a paper and mail component. We had the Delphi component. Things took time to get from place to place. And if Steve was out, then nothing happened. And that's fine, right? Except when you have customers that need things and want things and pay for those things. Uh, one of our programs is fee for service, right? So we not only have as good government servants, a, a duty to, to do this job and do it well, we're also kind of dependent on that paycheck, right? So it's, it's imperative that we maintain uh, good relationships with our customers. Uh, quick comment on our roadmap. Um, we didn't boil the ocean. We didn't build Rome in a day. We started with the, the very basic stuff. What are the common data elements across all six of our portfolios? The business, right? We deal with, I'm going to throw some trade names out. So thanks for my safe harbor statement. Cargill, right? Um, ADM, Louis Dreyfus, some of these companies that you may have heard of, we deal with them. 
from six different angles. So we decided that it's important to have one common data model, start from there. Um, we added in our cotton programs, again, EDAM and ELS, we added licensing, uh, phase three, some integrations uh, with uh, some of our finance stuff. We added some, some data lake uh, stuff in. Uh, right now we're actually working on what we call t &E, or time and expense. Um, and that is a tool for our field staff to be able to accurately report their time uh, by the commodity, by the activity, and by the funding source. So in our uh, you know, top line accounting system, we have two codes, what Congress gives us and what our customers give us. We need more than that to know how much time we're spending on peanuts, cotton, sugar. You guys laugh. All of these things are real. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, uh, work went into that. So we understand, you know, kind of what we're actually doing. Uh, so current flow looks a lot the same. But guess what? It ooh, it takes days now instead of longer than days. Um, so a couple of screen grabs. We've got our license action. This is our basically our SPO. Uh, single point of entry for U.S. Warehouse Act actions. So we've captured all of these things. Um, you'll see down at the bottom, the examination request is this. So referencing all of these things. So every member of our organization has insight into who is where. Uh, thing that Brian and Mike talked about, right? When somebody calls and says, what's happening with this? You either hope you know, or you guess. Now we can look, right? And we actually have seen a decrease in the number of those calls because our leadership can just look right? Um, uh, financial review is similar thing. So it's a, it's a process to make sure that our, our entities are, are uh, meet our financial standards. An examination that's our, our going out and actually doing the physical audit. Um, dashboards, right? <laughs> Everybody loves a dashboard. Now, what I will say is this was all built using uh, ServiceNow's native reporting. So not even PA, nothing obnoxious, um, no integrations to Tableau or you know, more ATOs. Somebody asked, how many issued and pending licenses do we have? I don't know. Let me see if I can make a widget, do a report, throw it on a dashboard. Now everybody can see, right? Um, so that's, that's been fantastic. One of the things I want to talk about is cost and savings really quickly. We actually, um, for licensing, only spend 5% of what our mainframe hosting cost was, uh, which is quite a bit less. Um, so we actually are seeing a, a full payback in uh, four years. And let's see, cost outside the payback calculations, paper. I mean, we all know that paper costs money, but we don't actually ask whose money or where it comes from, right? It just shows up. Um, all the postage that we're not using, all the ink, because we're, you know, we had examiners out in the field that were printing things off, sending them back to us in Kansas City, and we would make a copy or two, right? Uh, filing time. So we've got all these copies. Now what do we do with them? So we're actually reassigning staff specialists to do specialist work, not filing work, right? Uh, risk of data loss. I don't know who Rick is, but he is probably a problem. Um, and then rent, right? Like we eliminated actual square footage, and it was pretty expensive once we found out how much rent was actually cost. So like, these are things that are outside of that, that ROI calculation that are really important. And these are, you know, these are a little bit anecdotal, but it's real time, it's real money. And if we can improve the touch on one file once a day for a year, for five years, for 10 years, I can retire, right? So uh, I think I'm 
probably done. A good quote from our deputy administrator uh, to leave you guys with. And that was all of my time and several other people's. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you all for, uh, we'll have questions here in a second. One last thing I want to put up here. Um, you know, I was mentioned, you know, workshops, right? Hey, come in and do this. This is actually our workshop schedule. If you guys want to take a picture of that, that is our workshop schedule for 2023. We're doing one every month in our Vienna office. They're free. Show up. Have fun. Come learn the tools. Build an application. Um, it's a day. It, it's a day. You know, you come in for a day uh, and you get to see what this looks like and you get to play with it and get your hands on. So come join us. Our next one is actually next week. Uh, we still have some open slots in it if you're interested. Uh, I think we're probably almost out of time. We actually have a few more minutes. So we'll open it up for a few minutes of questions if everyone's okay with that. Anyone have any, any questions? My question is for the other two years. What month did you do? And secondly, what was the cycle duration chapter four? Right? I'll do ahead. No, mine's going to be really uh, bad. You should go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think we really started off with trying to bribe with candy, um, but when that didn't work, we held a lot of uh, focus group sessions to really try to identify and show why the process they had wasn't working and why what we have could help uh, save time, money, resources, uh, maybe not ink and paper, but time and money, which I think is just as good. Uh, and then probably we did that for about two to three months. And then we had another cycle of production for another two months. And then we had another probably month where we had the, we picked out a couple of our better partners and had them get in the tool with us, uh, test some things out, uh, identify problems that we had, and then we were able to roll it out. So I'd probably say overall, it probably took between uh, seven to eight months um, from the beginning of when it started, and then to when I would roll it back out in, I think, March of 2022. Um, but it was really an open engagement and really trying to identify what people needed and show them the benefits and the time that they could save by utilizing the tool. So I think our um, service now was, it was our office and then it was also our OCIO office was using it for a bunch of other things. So we were kind of beholden to their timeline as well for ATOs and things like that. So ideally we would go faster. Um, we just couldn't. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know, three minutes. I can give you 45. No. Um, so basically what we do is whenever we go out and do an audit, <clears throat> we will, uh, if we find something that is not like it should be, uh, we will create a memorandum of adjustments. So that is a, a single singular document for that specific audit that we give to our, our customer and say, here you go, this is your list, right? So then what we do on the back end is we actually create um, different compliance items for however many bullets are listed on that memorandum. Uh, because what we've seen is we'll have a problem with safe access to a facility, but we also have a, a, a records issue and we also have maybe an insurance problem. Well, those are three kind of different issues that we need to track 
separately. Uh, we also track resolutions on those. So, you know, a facility issue might require a contractor, a millwright. You know, if it's a co-op out in Kansas, like they're going to have to get the board together. They're going to have to vote and approve the expenditure, right? Where if, if somebody just, you know, it's the third of the month and they haven't submitted their insurance report that was due on the first, just send us a copy, you know, whenever you send it to your insurance company. So some of that stuff, you know, we, we, we've added, um, you know, some categorizations. We've added, um, you know, some of the resolution time. And we're, we're starting to look at um, doing some PA work, performance analytics work around how long each particular task is open. Um, so we can see what our resolution time is. So that's, and it's kind of a homegrown, but it was just kind of a, we had a need and we were capturing part of the data. And so I said to my team, you know, hey, if we could get like three fields and let me create my own categories and, you know, and then we added, okay, we need to assign it to somebody right? Somebody needs to be working this. Um, so we, it was kind of iterative uh, as we worked through that because we were much the same. You know, we had Excel spreadsheets, we had Word docs, you know, uh, it was kind of just different by different supervisor, different region. So we've added a lot of standardization into the process. Um, and it's been kind of iterative as well. Um, you know, we've, okay, this is almost right. We need X. Okay. We add it. Uh, that's one of the great things about ServiceNow is I have a, I have a need on Tuesday send my team an email Thursday. They're demoing what we built Wednesday. We're deploying it to production. Um, so that is a, a fantastic thing that you just don't get with every platform. Was that Wednesday you're deploying to production and then Thursday you get the demo? Well, it's that it's the oh, okay. next week. <laughs> it's a Thursday to Wednesday cycle. Nice and government. Super simple. Yes. <laughs> so I think we're at about at time. So um, we'll, you know, we'll both we'll be up here for a little bit. If people have questions or want to come see us in our booth, I know you all will be around the rest of the day. Uh, so thank you for coming. I know we had a packed house. Thank you for standing in the back. I appreciate it. And I hope you guys have the rest of a joyous day.